So we are in Lent, and we are in a series we started last week called Renovation. And with that, uh, what we are doing is using uh, the metaphor of rebuilding or renovating something to to compare to the, the task of self-examination in our spiritual life. Uh, the idea that in order to do something new, in order to reshape a space, you have to leave the old behind. Uh, there's discomfort in it. There's a mess in it. Uh, it's inconvenient. Uh, it, it It's obnoxious. But in order to move forward, in order to get a new thing, you have to be willing to to let go of the old thing. And this morning, uh, we're going to continue with that theme. Last week, we talked about uh, that that spiritual renovation that we are called to do in our own life. The first step for that is getting fed up with the status quo, right? In order to put yourself in a space where it's going to get messy and dirty and uncomfortable, the, the current reality has to be uncomfortable enough and dissatisfying enough to spur us into trying something else because otherwise none of us relish uh, doing hard things, right? All of us love comfort. All of us love routine. Uh, so it takes, it often takes uh, bad things to move us into a place where we're willing to renovate ourselves. This morning we're going to continue with that theme, and uh, if 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 we got fed up with what we had before today, the 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 theme is you got to start with tearing up the existing structure. Demolition is the first stage, right? If, if you're going to do something new, you got to go in and rip all the old stuff out. And and we a lot of us have gotten used to living in structures of our faith formation and our faith practices, and we're very comfortable there. And and we have a routine, and we have uh, we can check the box on a lot of that we do. Um, and and if you find yourself that you're completely satisfied with your life with Christ, then you're not going to enjoy this series. And I don't even know what you're doing here. <laughs> Because the reality is, none of us could raise our hand and say, oh, I have the perfect relationship with God, right? Every one of us, there's, there's, there's gaps in who we are and who, who God calls us to be. And I, I, I don't know how prevalent that dissatisfaction is in you, but as, as, the Lenten season every year as I, I go through that and sort of lean in, there's always this sort of space, a gap, a hunger, a, a, a recognition uh, that I could be doing a lot better than I am. And there, there's, there's always rationalization around that. And there's always excuses and there's always the traditions that we have and stuff. But in reality... Do you feel like your intimacy with God is where it should be? Do you, do you do you have just a daily connection with Him that brings an assurance and a power and and a, and a motivation to go through the day that you don't that it's not just about going to Him when we're in trouble, but there is a daily seeking out, a minutely, a secondly seeking out of who He is that you want to discern His will and you want to be 
You want to be mindful of who he is and what he wants you to do. And that his, his character and his, his grace and mercy and kindness is penetrating you in such a way that you can't imagine living any other way. And for, for many of us, yes, we have a degree of that, but could it be better? Could it be that if we're willing to renovate instead of living in the same old broken down spiritual home, could it be that God has something for us that we're not even mindful of yet? I think, I think one of the hardest things, uh, to, to do is move from what's good enough to what's best, right? When, whenever, whenever, and, and many of us in our spiritual lives will settle for good enough when, when what God wants for us is what's best. Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly, to the fullest. He wants us to have that full expression of his character, that full expression of his power, that full expression of his intimacy. Anything else falls short of what he has for us. God's greatest desire is for us to know him as father, to, to have that, that close relationship that, that feeds us and nurtures us. We're, we're, we're going to talk today about tearing up and, and, uh, and, and changing routine, um, becoming aware of what we need to do differently. So we're going to be in Isaiah 55. <clears throat> Isaiah 55. Isaiah, major prophet, calling out to Israel to come back to the Lord giving hope of what God's going to do, that he, even with their disobedience, he was going, he's not forsaking them. He still has plans for them. Here's what he says in chapter 55. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him now while He's near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that He may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for He will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit 
It will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout out. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name, and they will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. He starts off by by sort of calling out uh, the what we're talking about here. Calling out the disconnect between who God calls us to be and all that God gives us to become who He wants us to be and what we're currently doing. Is anyone thirsty? Is anyone hungry? Then come and receive. I have everything you need. Your deepest hunger, your deepest desire, I am the one that can fill that. I am the one that can satiate. Don't use big words when you can't pronounce them. I'm the one that can satiate your hunger. I can fill the gap that you fill inside. And it's all free. It's all free. And as we read that, you think to yourself, Why in the world do we humans have such a hard time accepting what God gives? Right? Because we all do it. From the very beginning, God creates a world in which He makes everything perfect for us. He addresses everything we need before step one was taken. Even as far as before the world was created, Christ had been slain for our sins. He he made plans to to have this beautiful uh, creation with us as the crowning glory, with us as uh, the people that He stamps His image into and has a special relationship with, but he knew that in creating us and giving us minds and giving us a will, that that meant that we were going to choose wrongly. And so he took the, he already had the plan that even though we didn't deserve it and even though we would turn away from him, he wasn't willing to let us go. He wants, he wants to capture as many of us as we can. And that's too aggressive of a word uh, because God's a gentleman, but he wants to invite as many as he can to spend eternity with him and and goes out of his way to 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 make all the arrangements for us this is what grace is about it's not our merit that earns our place with god in eternity it's the work of god that we don't deserve and he's using food as an analogy here and he's like hey come on now i've i've got a i've got a meal that could nurture your spirit beyond what you can imagine and it's free Just come and get it. Why in the world would you not eat what I have for you? Why would you waste your money on junk food? Why would you waste your money and your effort and your time doing things that aren't going to bring what it is you're looking for, that aren't going to satisfy that hunger that you have within you? See, many of us as Christians, we... we, uh, we have junk food diets for our soul, right? We go from a little devotion or two every once in a while, but we allow too much junk in the conversation. We have a diet of cable news and pessimism and polarization and political uh, uh, malfunction and 
and judgmentalism and bigotry and all of that and and we're and and we're we're eating that diet and it's toxic to our system and God's saying why 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 would you eat that when you could have this and and you know that's an easy thing to say but this is this is that sin nature that's within us that constantly wants to push back against God no matter how good it is we sang the song the second hymn taste and see the lord is good right this he is good and if we could just get away from ourselves and get out of ourselves and 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 trust him enough we would figure it out but as smart and as evolved as we are we can't figure out that we're our own worst enemies and god's way would give us everything he literally fills the gaps the old track when I was in, in high school, there used to have a little track. The, the cross-shaped hole in your heart is filled by Jesus, right? It was corny. But the, 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 the meaning was there. The thing that's missing in your life can be filled by the love of God. But why wouldn't you eat it? Why wouldn't you come? Why, when good food is set out in front of you, when, when nourishing, soul-fulfilling, relationship and interaction is available for you, why wouldn't you come? And it's because we're like little kids, right? We like what we like. We like what we're comfortable with. We're watching Denver this weekend, our, our granddaughter. And Denver's diet consists of macaroni and cheese and ice cream. If you put... M&M's and chocolate on the ice cream, she'll eat chocolate too. But that's, that's her diet. That's all the kid eats, right? And you can get away with that when you're three, but she's going to be the carb queen when she gets to be uh, 29, right? And so, you know, Opie's trying to expand her palate and give her some other things. But just like normal kids, she, anytime you try to give her something different, before she's even tasted it, she already knows she doesn't like it. Right? So macaroni and cheese. So this week when I went to HEB, I got some raviolis with cheese inside. Right? It's just macaroni and cheese reverse engineered. It's just, it's brilliant, right? And so it, maybe she'll eat that. And, and before she even tries, she's made up her mind. Mm, I don't like that, Opie. No. Just macaroni and cheese. Well, we have other stuff. No, just make her own speed. And then if you do make her try it, she does the... <laughs> like you're killing her, right? <laughs> and that's exactly how many of us are on our spiritual diet. We, we have become so used to junk food and we're comfortable with it, Right? And and it's scary to step out into something new. But what if the renovation of our heart, the renovation of our spiritual life, what if we need to change diet? What if we need to do a soul cleanse? A cleanse of getting rid of the toxicity and eating a pure diet of God's love and grace and mercy. Why don't you come? Why wouldn't you eat it? I can't imagine why. 
Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good and you will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. See, God, as I said, his number one agenda is to have a connection with you that goes way beyond church attendance and and occasional Bible study. It is a personal, heartfelt, familial connection uh, that never ends and never wavers, that doesn't have strings attached, that, that, that always forgives and, and always, always recognizes the good in the other. You read 1 Corinthians 13, the definition of love. That's God's love for us. And it's available. It's free. And we can make a meal of it over and over. But instead, we settle for these poor substitutes. Why don't we, why, why do we have such a hard time with that? And, and it comes down to it's just our sin nature. You get down to verse six. It says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he's near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn generously to our God for he will forgive generously. Why don't we want to change? Because in order to change, we have to change. I think it's Albert Einstein that said that the, uh, the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Right? But we do it all the time. And a lot of it is our pride, right? Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. In order to move towards God, you have to turn away from the things of the world. In our Bible study on Wednesday, uh, this last Wednesday, we talked about John the Baptist. Uh, you, you get through the birth narrative in the Gospels and, and Jesus arriving on the scene and then uh, cut uh, to uh, Jesus as an adult. He's beginning, his, uh, he's beginning his public ministry. And step one is he shows up at his cousin John's uh, ministry place to be baptized. John... Uh, Old Testament, a voice crying out in the wilderness. John was that messenger that was coming to do the, the sort of preparatory work for God to capture uh, the attention of people that, that had become uh, too comfortable in their lifestyle and their, their religion was more of a nationality thing than a heart thing. If you went back to first century uh, Middle East and compare it to us, there's a lot of similarities. Political unrest, apathy, uh, hatred, bigotry. There's just all of that. And, and John shows up. God sends Jesus into the world. He's ready to do his thing. And John is announcing it by saying, there's someone coming. The Lamb of God is coming. And he's greater than me. But you don't want to miss it. And in order to not miss it, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, same thing that Isaiah is calling for. Let the wicked change their ways. Banish the very thought of doing wrong. The first step, 
is to push away the junk food. To turn in another direction. To seek God in a new way. It starts off with the please seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him while He is near. I don't mean to be like one of those, uh, you know, hellfire brimstone. You, you better take care of it now because Jesus come back tonight. I'm pretty sure. According to the Bible, since Jesus ascended into heaven, we are in end time. We, he's coming. We just don't know when. And you don't want to miss it. Why wait? Why do we wait? Seek the Lord now where you can find Him. And let me help you. You don't have to seek very hard. He's right here. He's right here. He's been seeking you. God's closer than you think. He's right here. His Holy Spirit is present here. The risen Lord is leading this service. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. You know, in, in a lot of changes in our life, we, we always make this rationale. Well, I need to get through this stage of life and then I'll be able to turn my attention there. Well, if, if God is who we read in the Bible, if Jesus really is the Son of God, the King of Kings, the, the key to heaven and hell, the, 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 the foundational uh, person we need for eternity in heaven, if he's really that important, then why wait? What more important thing do you have to do? What more important task do you have to accomplish? If you've got kids, you cannot do anything as a parent more powerful than, than attaching them to Jesus Christ. If you're married, you cannot do any more loving thing then worship the Lord with your spouse. If you've got grandkids, you can give them all the ice cream you want, but make sure you introduce them to Jesus as well. Right? Your workplace needs it. Your family needs it. Why are we waiting? Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Every day is an opportunity. You don't want, when you read um, psychology and, and especially around death, people approaching death, imminent death, the re- biggest regret is not spending more time with loved ones, right? Not making the priority what it should be. Too much time pursuing a job, too much time uh, pursuing being skinny, too much time whatever and not focusing in on the one most important thing. And for those of us that are following Christ, there is nothing more important than our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is the thing that makes all the difference. And that's bad grammar because he's not a thing, he's a person. A person who loves you, who died for you, who sends a spirit for you, who's coming to claim you for his own, who's sitting next to the Father praying for you and intervening for you, 
What more important thing do we have to do? Seek the Lord while you can find Him. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And we think to ourselves, well, I'm, I'm not doing it right now because there's just so many other important things in my life. And it's because we just, our human minds just can't even calculate how much we're missing because we're not connected with God in the way He invites us to be. It would it would blow our brains when we get to see God face to face and understand Him fully. It, every little gap, every little uh, weakness, every little, every little twinge, every little thing that needs to change comes to fruition in Jesus. He's the answer for us. Verse 10, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens. They stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word, and that's little w word. It's the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. This book will change your life. This is the Word of God. Now, it does no good to read it if you're not going to live it, but this book will change your life. This is little case word. Go to John chapter 1, uppercase word. Capital W, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word has a name, and His name is Jesus. And the same thing God says about His Word, always accomplishing what He means it to. Jesus, for God so loved the world, that He sent His only Son into the world, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And he always accomplishes his will through what he does. It always works. If you attach yourself to not just the written word, but the living word, fruitfulness will come. Listen to this. You'll live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song. The trees and field will clap their hands. Where there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout out. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of His strength and power, His power and His love. Jesus, the living Word, is the key to a healthy spiritual diet. We're, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion this morning. Bread and juice, and the bread represents for us uh, the fact that Jesus was willing to die for us, that he allowed himself to be broken so that we could be made whole. The juice reminds us that there was a price to pay. God couldn't just wipe the slate clean. Justice had to be done. The blood reminds us that Jesus put himself on the cross to die for our sins. He who was out sin became sin for us 
so that we might have the righteousness of Christ. Jesus is the meal we're serving today. And it's all free. The only thing it costs you is trust and faith. But it was the most expensive thing humanity has ever witnessed. It cost our Lord His life. Taste and see the Lord is good. Jesus, as He came to earth, He, he, he was... He showed up and, you know, from day one is rejected and overlooked and marginalized. Especially the religious community couldn't stand him. They didn't like who he talked to. They didn't act who, like who he associated with. He didn't like his message. They thought he was, he was, he was, he was blaspheming God. When you read in Hebrews, it says that Jesus was is the picture of what God with skin looks like. That He is the best representation to us of who God is. And over and over again, when the world was saying, oh, God can't and God won't, Jesus said, oh, yeah, He does. There's no limitation to His love. There's no categories for His love. There's not, there's not a limit to His grace. And as he approached the end of his life, after gathering a a little group of misfits, some fishermen, a tax collector, a couple of brothers that just wanted to fight everybody, a zealot, just this interesting crew that usually walked and followed him around going, what's he doing? I don't know. But we've never seen anybody like him before. And that night before he was going to die for us, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. Passed around the table and said, Whenever you eat this, I want you to remember me. This is my body broken for you. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and passed around the table and said, this is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, remember me. And so it's in remembrance of these as mighty acts through Jesus Christ that we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Would you join with me? Let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, fall on us. Cleanse our palate. Cleanse our life. Cleanse our soul. As we partake in this Holy Sacrament, oh God, we pray that you would make this bread be for us, the body of Jesus Christ, and this juice be for us, his blood, so that we might become his body and blood for the world around us. Make us one with each other. 
Make us one with you. And make us one in ministry to all the world. And we look forward, O God, when instead of a peak at the food that you offer for us, we will be gathered at your banquet table where all your goodness and power and might will be laid out before us. And we get to look you in the face and cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Until then, give us faith and draw us closer. We pray all of that. In the name of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven. Amen.